This evening is found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. And we're going to look at the parable of the rich fool, or the rich farmer. Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. And we're going to begin a reading at verse 13. And we're going to read right down to verse 21. God's word says in verse 13, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not of the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain man brought forth plentiful And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night, Thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So it is that he laid up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And we know the Lord will bless the reading of his word to our hearts this evening. The great entrepreneur Steve Jobs, best known as co-founder of the tech giant Apple, was born in the 24th of February, 1955. He died on the 5th of October, 2011. And at the time of his death, the Apple market value stood at 350 billion. Steve Jobs was a man who had everything in life. His own personal fortune when he died was worth 9 billion US dollars. A man who had everything that so many aspired to have. A man who had everything that drives people across the world to get out of bed each morning. But here this evening, I want you to listen to what Steve Jobs wrote from his deathbed, days before his death. I reached the pinnacle of success in the business world. In others' eyes, my life is the epitome of success. However, aside from work, I have little joy. In the end, my wealth is only a fact of life that I'm accustomed to. At this moment, lying on this bed, I recalled my life. I realized that all the recognition, all the wealth that I took so much pride in has now paled and became meaningless in the face of my death. And as he continued on, he wrote, You can employ someone to drive the car for you. You can employ someone to take to make money for you. But you can never have someone to bear your sickness for you. Material things lost can be found or replaced. But there is one thing that can never be found when it's lost, and that thing is life itself. Whichever stage in life you're in right now, with time you too will face the day when the curtain will fall. And friends, here's a man whom people looked up to, a man that was envied by so many in the business world for the life he lived. 
and yet as his death closed in upon him, he makes this great statement. There is one thing in life that never can be found when it's lost, and that thing is life itself. When sickness falls upon our bodies and doctors have done their best, and we hear those awful words, I'm so sorry, but there's nothing more that we can do for you. When the road of life casts upon us the last days of our time here on earth, when there's nothing we or others can do, we each need to realize one thing. Money can't buy us one more minute. Money can't buy us one more second. And for you here this evening, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, friend, as I pause and as I wonder, In the journey of life that you are on this evening, have you ever taken time to contemplate how you would cope with those harrowing words when your days of life have been numbered, when a final number has been placed upon them? It's something that's so final. Yet here in these verses in Luke's gospel, we see the reality who is actually in control over every breath. We see the reality of how we as individuals can make plans. We can make plans for tomorrow, yet we are not in control. We fail to acknowledge that God is the one who is in control of our days. We are mindful of the words that Job spoke and his realization that God was in control of his everything in the situation that he found himself in Job 1, verse 21, which says, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Friends, surely that should be a realization to each of us that our every morning, our every day, our every evening, our every night, even our every breath is indeed a gift from God. The Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away. For the remainder of our time this evening, I want to take these six verses that we read in the latter part of our reading and just work our way down through it and ask the question in life, what is it that money can't buy? How we discover that a bad personal decision not only affects us in life, but how it affects us so much in our death, how it affects it for the length of eternity. Friend, are you here this evening? or perhaps you're tuned in on, at home, I want to remind you that each of us here are heading on a countdown to our own death. I want to remind you that God has each of our days numbered, and by God's grace we are here on his time frame, a time frame that only God can see, a time frame that we have no control of. This rich man we read of is described by two words here in two different parts of the passage, Firstly, he's described as a certain rich man. And for the outset, there isn't anything wrong with being rich, you might say. For sure in life, those who work hard, those who use the situations that they find themselves in to work and toil and maximize their time and money, we can't really criticize them when it's all above board and honest before God. But here's where the problem lies, the problem of priorities. We will look at that problem in a few moments, but to move down the passage and read the other two words that describe this man, 
in verse 20, when God said unto him, Thou fool. Friends, can you comprehend if you're here still in your sin? No time for God. No time for the things of God. No time for the people of God. And yet that same God is saying to you this evening, Thou fool. You're still in your sin tonight with no thought of God. You have no thought of eternity living for the things of this world. God says to you that while you're still in your sin, that you are a fool. Look at some of the problems that this rich man had. And they're mentioned in the passage in this reading in Luke's gospel. And we'll just take a verse at a time as we work down through the passage. And there's five things I want you to notice about this rich man. Firstly, we see that this rich man had produce that was successful. Look at verse 16 and verse 17. And it says, The ground of a certain man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? The ground of this rich man had been fruitful, perhaps beyond what he had planned or beyond what he had expected. Sometimes folk who live in the town can have an awful wet day, whereby they simply just get wet. Yet the farmer, on the other hand, is so downtrodden. That same old wet day brings about problem after problem. Even as we look back to 2023 and into this year of the winter, it's been one of those years, hasn't it? Rainstorm after rainstorm has left many harvest a real problem and a real challenge. And whether you're a farmer here this evening and you're involved in cereal farming or potatoes, there's one thing for sure, and I think everybody knows that, that farmers have never made any money, apparently. Grain prices are down, animal feed is up, and it's terrible, apparently. But all joking aside, isn't there always that one year in three or four that the weather is perfect? That one year that the yields are amazing, That one year that is so good, it's what we call a textbook year. If you had a plan of what a good year would be, this would be it. It's that year that teases you on. It's that year that makes you think, finally, all this work is worthwhile. I'll just keep at it. It's like the old carrot dangling before the donkey. It keeps you going. It teases you on. It's the year that encourages you to keep going. Well, this rich man was having one of those textbook years. It was that good a year he asked himself, what shall I do? This good year had brought along some problems in a good way. This rich farmer knew he had something to do. He recognized that to sit still just wouldn't be an option. To sit in the house and watch his crop and hard work perish outside, he just couldn't let it happen. His problem was this. His produce was successful. But then we read on down of this rich man as he looked at his dilemma. Look back down to verse 18. And we see he planned his strategy. And it says in verse 18, And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will bestow my fruits and my goods. And surely like any good business, he had a plan. There was a plan of action that had to be put in place a plan that he could work to. 
And you may say, well, of course, all good businessmen don't leave anything to chance. There's that old saying, fail to plan is a plan that's going to fail. So this rich man had a plan, a plan to pull down his barns. Barns that at one time were suffice. A plan that would pull down his barns. Barns at one time had been adequate. They'd done their job, as we would say. Yet to a point, there's still nothing wrong with his expansion. There's nothing wrong with having these riches. But yet throughout Scripture, we read of men who were blessed of God, great men who had great riches. We think of Abraham, a man blessed of God. We think of Job, who we have mentioned already, a man blessed of God. We think even of Joseph of Arimathea, a man blessed of God, who gave his tomb for Christ to be buried in. Matthew 27 reminds us, even when the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph. But there's one thing we need to be mindful of, even in today's society. God made the earth and all there in it. Everything we have has been made from the resources of this world. Everything we have and own here this evening is all a blessing from God. And we need to remember that. What did we... What did our reading remind us of? The ground of the certain rich man. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 8 reminds us, The Lord shall command the blessing upon thy storehouses. And in all that thou settest thy hand unto, he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Even in the Old Testament, God is the giver of the blessing. So you ask what? Is this rich man's problem then? Well, I want to tell you the problem. I want you to notice something important from God's word. So often we comment that money is the root of all evil. But friends, that's not what scripture says. No, scripture doesn't say money is the root of all evil. Do you know what scripture actually says? First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10 it says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. The problem with money is not actually the money. It's our attitude towards it. It's our desire to have it. It's when money is worshipped and we make it our God. It's when we worship it. Worship it. That's where the problem comes from. I had the not so nice pleasure of visiting the high court back in November with a work-related issue. And of course, I took Kathy with me in case I got lost. It's such a big building. But as we were sitting in the massive long hall that has the various courts leading off it, a building of great grandeur, decorated with the finest of materials, and there was barristers and solicitors and different ones walking about. And the thought occurred to me, and I said to Cathy, you know, if people didn't have the love for money, this place would be closed in a week. What problems does it deal with? Family disputes, overground and property, problems over wills, arguing over who gets what in a divorce, injury claims for someone perhaps who has no actual injuries, theft of property, murder, the list is endless. And yet it's not necessarily the money that brings the problem, but it's the love 
of the money that brings the problem to today's society. So we don't criticize the farmer for having riches. One of his problems was the fact that he never realized that his riches was a blessing from God. It's the fact that nowhere here in this parable we read that he mentions God. There's nowhere here in this parable we read that he ever had any time for God. What about you this evening? Is this parable a reflection of your attitude towards God? Isn't this rich man a reflection of you and your life where you are this evening? Yet you have no time for God. God has been good in his provision for you. And yet you're still not saved. Yet you have big plans to expand your business. You have big plans to buy a bigger house. You have big plans to buy a better car. You have big plans to move up that employment ladder. You have big plans to travel more in this year of 2024. You plan to get away on more holidays and yet here you are with no time for God. Have you a love for money? Does your love for money come first? Do you think it has hindered you from coming to God for salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you think it's just too much to give up? You're maybe here thinking, honestly, Mark, I always intended to get saved. I always intended to become a Christian, and really the truth is I'm too busy with work. I've just never got round to it. I just don't have the time for all that stuff at the minute. I have so much going on. I have a big deal I'm trying to get over the line. I have a new tender that I'm trying to win and Really what you're saying is my love for money comes first. I have no time for God. I have no time for church. I have no time to think of eternity. Friend, is the love of money keeping you from God this evening? And yet when we move down through these verses in Luke's gospel, I want you to notice one thing and we'll come back to it later. It's dangerous to make plans with no regard for God. It's dangerous to make plans that in your mind God is and has no part of. This rich man done exactly that. He made plans that solely focused on him. He had a spirit of independence. Notice what he says. What shall I do? I have no room. My fruits, my goods, I will say to my soul. Sadly, God is never mentioned. God has never even given a second thought. Is that you this evening? You have all these plans, all these ambitions, all these great dreams, and sadly God is not part of any of it. Perhaps you're even here this evening and you're a Christian and you also have great plans. Can I challenge you just for one moment? Did God have any part in your planning? Was your plan voiced at the throne of grace? Was it brought in prayer to God at the start? Do you know that old saying, there's no alarm clock like the finance man? There's nothing like a bit of debt to get you up in the morning. And there's also nothing that will bring you to your knees literally in prayer than a tight place in business. There's nothing that will bring you to your knees in prayer in employment like something going wrong with that job that has a problem and all is going to fall on your shoulders 
And yet so many times when things are going well, when you're having that textbook year, whether it's in self-employment or employment, we as Christians can so easily find ourselves plowing on our own way, just like the rich farmer. My business, my money, my decision, my life, my way. And do you know what way it ends up? You end up with my problem and no thought of God. I'm reminded of the old man who was in Bambridge one day double parked, waiting and hoping someone would pull out and leave him a parking space. He prayed, Lord, give me a space here till I get parked up. He no sooner had the words out till a car a few spaces down in front of him put his indicator on and pulled out. Do you know what he said? And this is a true story. Lord, don't worry, I've got a space here now. He obviously didn't believe in answered prayer. We sometimes take the credit for our own success. We fail to acknowledge God's hand upon our lives and upon our situations. We fail to put God first. We just go on on our own regardless, sometimes not even recognizing the help of God when it comes. We don't involve God. We don't consult God. We don't ask God for guidance. We don't ask him for help in leading us yet when things go wrong. We can't understand what has happened. But this rich man, verse 16, his produce was successful. Verse 18, he planned a strategy. Look back down to verse 19, and we read that he promised his soul. And verse 19 says, And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine knees, eat, drink, and be merry. This, sadly, friends, is where the title, I fool, comes from. Imagine the God of heaven calling you, you still in your sin, calling you a fool. If you're here this evening and you're not saved, here with no time for God, perhaps you're here just because a friend asked you to come. Perhaps you're maybe here each evening. You never miss a meeting and you're still not saved. Can I say with all the love of my heart this evening, God says to you this evening, with your rejection of Christ, that you're a fool. The psalmist reminds us in chapter 14, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And yet when we read this parable, this rich man gives no mention of God. He has no regard for God. He has no time for God. Friends, is that you this evening? Have you no time for God? No time... To the thought of heaven, God says, thou fool. This man made a promise to his soul that was never, ever going to stand. It wasn't worth the paper that it was read on. Perhaps out of all the verses that we have read this evening, could this be the verse that saddens our heart the most? Could this be the verse that explains the total folly of this rich man's heart? Do you know what this verse tells us about this rich man? It tells us, sadly, that he knew he had a soul. He said, I will say to my soul. How sad it is to read this verse and know that this man realized he had a soul. This rich man knew he had many things. But here he mentions his soul. Here he speaks to his soul. And yet he failed to make any provision 
for his soul in his death. Genesis 2 and verse 7 says, And the Lord formed man in the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Do you know this evening, friends, that you are a living soul? Do you know this evening that your soul will never die? We have that stark reminder in Mark 8 and 36. It says, For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Do you know what that profit would be for man? Hell's damnation for eternity. Are you here this evening in the meeting and you have promised your soul? You have this great plan for your life. You have a great plan for your time on earth. Can I ask you a very somber question? Have you made any plans for your soul for eternity? For you to promise your soul is surely a folly on your behalf. Do you know that all you're doing, you're fooling yourself? You know that making promises can never be kept. We're only a few months into this year of 2024. And as the year rolls along, maybe you've planned out different places you need to be. You've planned out different issues that you want to attend to. Each week, you will have a different plan, perhaps altered in some way to the week before, and yet you have never thought of eternity. You have never made plans for your soul to where you will spend eternity. Do you know what that word promise means? It's a declaration or assurance that one will do something or that a particular thing will happen. The word promise means a declaration or assurance that one will do something or a particular thing will happen. As much as you make plans for tomorrow, as much as you make plans for March, as much as you make plans for 2024, friends are not plans you can promise to anyone, let alone yourself. We are reminded of that in Proverbs 21 and verse 1 where it says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day bringeth forth. Isn't that a somber thought? Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. There's no one here this evening that can promise tomorrow. None of us. Sure, we can't even promise that we'll make it home later this evening. And here's the thing, and I mentioned it earlier. In any plan, God must come first. Friends, to put God first, you need to ask God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into your heart. He is the only one that can save you. He's the only one that can take away your sin. Perhaps it's that sin that has been troubling you in your life. It has been troubling you for months. Perhaps you even feel the burden of it here in the meeting and it's getting unbearable. And yet you know. You know there is something that needs to be done. You know that there's someone that need, you need to call out to. Someone that can help. Friends, that someone is Jesus. It's Jesus that will take away that burden of sin. It's Jesus that will turn that darkness in your heart into sunshine. That sadness into joy. It's Jesus that will lift you up from the clutches of Satan. It will, it's Jesus that will lift you out of the depths of sin. 
has that sin held you and taken you to a life that you're ashamed of? A life that you see no way out of? Jesus, my friend, will change you in a great and mighty way. Would you not come to him this evening? Would you not call upon him? He promises to come. John 6 and 37 says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. This rich farmer, his produce was successful. He planned a strategy. He promised his soul. And we look back down to verse 20, we see his parting was sudden. Verse 20 says, But God said unto him, Thy fool this night shall thy soul shall be desired of thee. Friends, is that not a stark reality? If thy soul was desired of thee out of everything that people face in life, death perhaps is the most feared. The reality of death, the unknown time, the unknown date. Have you ever wondered in the week that has passed how many have passed into an eternity unsaved? Have you ever wondered as you read down through the funeral times how many in the week that has passed has died in their sin? And who this evening are standing in the depths of hell with no hope and with no last chance? But you're not like them this evening. You have another chance. You still have an opportunity before you. God's offer of mercy is still available to you. Friends, God's offer is still waiting on you to come. Would you not come to Jesus in saving faith? Would you not come to him as a repentant sinner? Would you not come and trust him and take him as your own? Cast aside that debt of sin. Cast aside the chains of Satan once and for all. And walk free in the knowledge that Jesus Christ is your own and personal Savior. He has taken your sin and he has cast it as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered no more. Is that not what you need this evening? Perhaps you're saying, Mark, I have plenty of time. I want to live my life first. I'm going to have that good time for sure. I'll leave it a a little bit later on. Sure, I'll have many, I have so many plans and sure, I'll wait till I'm older. Friends, this rich farmer also had plenty of plans. And yet, what did God say? This night, thy soul will be desired of thee. What a risk you take if you're still in your sin this evening. What a risk to play with. Imagine playing with God, playing with his time. What a risk to play with eternity. This rich farmer found out to his cost that his parting would be sudden. No time to get right with God. No time to prepare for eternity. No time to decide and put it off tomorrow. Sometimes listening to local news, I hear of road accidents, perhaps of a work-related accident. And I can't help but think of the bereaving family coming to terms with this devastating news, coming to terms with the fact that their loved one is gone. What if that loved one was you? What if your loved ones were that grieving family this week that is coming upon us? 
Would you not come to Jesus here this evening? God's word couldn't be any clearer in 2 Corinthians 6 and 2. It says, Behold now is the accepted time. Behold now is the day of salvation. It doesn't say that you can leave it till tomorrow. It doesn't say to leave it until next week. It doesn't say to leave it at all. It says come today. It says come now. It says wait no longer. I remember my late dad attending a funeral a good few years ago. And after the service and the burial was finished, the undertaker was ready to leave the graveyard. And some part of the conversation with those who were on their way back past the hearse, it was mentioned at how sudden this particular man had died. And one big burly farmer shouted over to the undertaker. He says, Jim, it'll be a while before you get me. And friends, you know what? I want you to listen. This is the reality of death. That same big burly farmer went home, went out to the farm to start the reading up and feed the stock. His wife, a little later on, wondered why he was late in for his tea. When she went looking for him down the farm, she found him slumped over the steering wheel of the little tractor he used to scrape the cows out with the tractor sitting, taking over. Friends, do you know with that same undertaker with those words still ringing in his ear, Jim, it will be a while before you'll get me. That same Jim had to attend him before that very day was over. Is that not a stark reality to the urgency of where you spend eternity? Today thy soul will be required of thee. Friend, are you ready to go into eternity with Christ? Are you ready to stand before God? This rich farmer, his produce was successful. He planned a strategy. He promised his soul. His parting was sudden. But this must be the saddest part of our passage this evening. He was poor in spirit. Look at verse 21. And it says, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich before God. Dear friend, this evening to die without Christ is to die without hope. To die without Christ is to die lost. Lost for all eternity. There's no time in eternity. There's no clocks in eternity. It won't matter how much you have in the bank. It won't matter what sort of car you have in the driveway. It won't even matter what sort of job you had. It won't have mattered how many holidays you had last year. Friend, if you die still in your sin in your heart, that you came into this world, dear friend, you are lost, and you're lost for all eternity. An old rich businessman died, and at his funeral, some of those who tended, one man asked the question, I wonder how much money he left behind. And one man spoke up before anyone else could even think, and he said, he left all of it. He left all of it. Friends, we take nothing with us in death. We have either Jesus or we have hell's Dalmatian. There's no third option. That great gospel hymn penned by Miss Charlotte Elliott 
The words can't get any more personal for you before God here this evening. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And that thy bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Up to this point in your life, you have put barrier up after barrier. What a way to continue in this year of 2024. Would you not turn to Christ? This farmer, this rich farmer sadly died poor in spirit. He died a sinner's death and was lost in the depths of hell, still in his sin. Yet here this evening you have, by the grace of God, you have a great opportunity to come to him. When Jesus hung on that old rock across, bearing that crown of thorns, being spot upon, mocked at, laughed at, his hands and feet pierced with those old rusty nails, do you know why he hung there? He hung there for you. He hung there for you because he loves you. He hung there, you, there so you, a lost guilty sinner, would have that way back to God. Do you realize that Jesus paid the debt of your sin before a righteous God? Do you understand that this evening? Do you realize your sin debt has been paid? Do you know that most, the most wonderful thing about it all is, here this evening, salvation is free. Just where you sit, all you need to do is come to him and claim that free offer of mercy as your own. Perhaps you've sat in many, many meetings and you just can't get yourself over the line. Friends, would you not just come this evening? We looked at Steve Jobs at the start of our reading. A man who had all in this world that could offer. And what was it he said again? At this moment, lying on my deathbed, I recalled my life. I realized that all the recognition and wealth that I took so much pride in has paled and become meaningless in the face of my death. The things that get us out of bed in the morning, the works of our hands each day will pale into insignificance when the end of our life draws near. And friends, I don't want you to come to Christ this evening just because G Steve Jobs realized that his worldly possessions meant nothing at the end of his life. I don't want you to come to Christ just because someone you know done it. I want you to come to Christ tonight because Jesus invites you. He invites you. Christ died for you. And sadly, if you refuse tonight, if you put the decision off once more, are you listening to what God says as you walk through those doors? Thy fool. You have plans for this week, and yet you won't plan for eternity. How foolish it would be if you put off coming to Jesus Christ this evening to discover that God would say, this night, thy soul will be required of thee. 
to find out that this meeting would be your very last opportunity to come to Christ. Your last opportunity to come to a Savior who loves you. A Savior who gave himself for you on Calvary's tree. How sad it would be. How it would break our hearts here even in the fellowship. That you're here this evening in this gospel meeting. And tomorrow morning we learn that you had passed into eternity during the night when God said, this night thy soul will be required of thee. Friends, we are not guaranteed tomorrow. For you this evening in your sin, a point of time will have passed whenever it will be too late to come to Jesus. Would you not come now when you have that opportunity? Call upon him while he is near. We're going to sing for closing the words of that great hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Look at the chorus it says. My chains are gone, 